to Chill and Ambitious, the podcast that points out shit you didn't know was relevant. This is the Life Innovator series. Life innovators are people who tailor their daily desires and lifelong passions to their everyday. And we hope they inspire you to do the same. I'm O. I'm No. And, and together, together we make Oh No. I woke up in a foreign land. You see, I had to leave this town and search a sound and explore the man. No court orders, just a ball in my court. Life's calling on Hey, so today we have Jalyn. Jalyn. Yeah. Uh, she is a swimwear designer. Yes. And also a, of Jalyn Swim of, of her, own of her own line. Yes. She has her own line, Jalyn Swim. She's also a freelance fashion designer. Yes. And, and well, <laughs> probably everyone, everyone is going to feel this is the most important point is that she spends a good number of months traveling throughout the year. She works, saves money, and then she's like, bye. And then she goes and lives off wherever she feels like it and maximizes her money by like staying in places like Bali and Indonesia. Well, she she, like maximizes her money by staying in different places all over the world in Latin America and Bali and and Australia and visiting people she meets all over visiting people that she's met that live all over the world. That's correct. Um, and yeah, she's managed to leverage the amount that she makes in New York, which is her home base and how I, we've met her. And uh, yeah, it's just made it a priority to travel and is a big proponent that if that's something you want to do, that you can make that happen. Um, so that's why we call her the Taylor Traveler because one, obviously for the fashion reason, but also two, um, she's just someone who really works at works at making sure all these things fit in and maximizing. Yeah, she really is uh, an example of a life innovator who tailors their daily desires and lifelong passions to their everyday. Uh, Yeah, she's really good at that. And um, yeah, here she is. Process. Do you process. hear how much? Do you hear that word? Makes me want to kill myself. No, doesn't like the word process because you know PTSD the difference from the word. But I am obsessed with it right now. It is. It is Important. my thing. Well, my actually, we could talk about this. My my theme for fall is process. Okay, just to, just to make Noel mad. But um, no, actually, uh, my whole inspiration for it is just realizing I it's good to be results oriented but I realized I was putting maybe too much emphasis on it in the sense of sometimes even when you have like bad process like things just get thrown together you know or things just happen to work out your way it almost reinforces the bad process when it works out for you yeah and mm-hmm. I realized I'd taken a good amount of risks in my pre- like in my career previously and it worked out but retrospectively I like it was risky I didn't 
like for example, I didn't have a cushion financially when I did them, and I just luckily like landed da 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 da. And this time, the luck didn't quite happen that way. Oh, really? Well, yeah. And that's actually one of the things that you're like the opposite, right? Like you're all about the cushion, right? Yeah. yeah everything um, appears to be very organic, but it, there's a lot of planning involved. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what, how you plan and what you do? Because you work, how many, like how much, how many months out of the year do you work and how many months out of the year do you travel? So it varies every year. It really depends. So even though I'm a freelancer, I seem to be very carefree, live a very carefree life. I can't just pick up and go. I kind of have to gauge on the kind of opportunity I have at the moment. Let's say I have a freelance gig I really like. Mm-hmm. I want and I love the people I work with and I know that it could potentially turn into something long term or more permanent. I would try to maximize that opportunity for as long as I can and save as much money as I can during that process. And then, you know, and when the time's right, I will leave. And during the uh, in between those uh, gigs, then I would take a long break. It could vary from 3 to 6 months sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, you know, it all depends on the job and the year. And you're a freelance clothing designer. Yes. So how do you, um, do you have like an agency, an agent that you work with or something? Because like, that's actually the fear is that like, when you come back and you're ready to work, then maybe the work isn't there. Yeah, that's a thing. I think I discovered, I started partnering up with uh, job agencies uh, very early on and that uh, you know, even though they take a huge percentage out of your oh, man, income, forty like percent, but at least I I do um, like the fact that they have a lot more connections, and that they will make the call for you, connect it for you, set up the interview. So I do appreciate that. And with um, you know, of course, now that I have been in this industry for a long time, it will be a little bit easier for me to reach out to companies that I worked before, I uh, worked with before. But without the agencies, it will make it twenty times harder. I think I have always worked with agencies and you've been doing this whole like freelance for a little bit and then go travel for mm-hmm. was it how many years 13 14 years wow. so, yeah so I have been very it's a blessed lifestyle. Yeah, yeah I have been very blessed um it wasn't uh my well traveling has always been my goal but I didn't realize uh I could do it that well you know just able to get a freelance job whenever I get back to New York and take off whenever I want to now, in terms of the cost of living, though, is so high in New York. Like, so I know yeah. that you've been working for a while, so you probably make it, you know, a pretty decent um, hourly rate. Yes. But, but I don't then, work that much. Well, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just going to say, so then, like, where do you stay? Do you have, like, a, do you have, like, a rent-controlled apartment or so, something? Or Yes. You know, I, like everyone else, when I first moved to New York, I definitely struggled. I stayed in really horrible apartments. Um, but I didn't care, you know. I, I wanted the location. So I lived in Chelsea. My first apartment was actually at the Ace Hotel. Before it turned into Ace Hotel, it was a shitty apartment building. I think it was a hotel prior. Oh yeah, the rooms were teeny. They renovated it and uh, they turned it into apartment buildings. But then later on, Ace Hotel took over. That was my first apartment and I had to share it with this starving artist for uh, a year and a half. And then after that, I bounced around and I had different sublets. Eventually, I found an apartment in Lower East Side and I stayed there for four years. And then I had an apartment in Soho for two years. So during the, those times it was really easy because you know in New York it's easy to find a subletter to take care uh, take care yeah. of your apartment and then you the goal is to eliminate all your expenses while away from New York 
Yeah. And that's what I'm able to do for the many years. No, so I'm just curious then how do you maintain it now? Because like, so like, for example, I left, I left New York for a while. I left mm-hmm. New York last, all of last winter and went back to California. And I'm really lucky that my apartment, that my room wasn't that expensive. Mm-hmm. My, my friends had been in the apartment for six years. Mm-hmm. So our rent gets increased like a tiny little bit. But if I were to move into my building now, right. I think my room would be twice as expensive. Oh yeah. I found it extremely challenging now because... Uh, I actually decided to pack up everything and leave New York two years ago to kick off my business. One of the reasons was because my landlord sold the apartment I was living in and uh, I, I took took that as a sign. You know, everything's very organic. I try to go with the flow, whatever life throws at me. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was a sign that maybe I can take this advantage and pack away all my material, uh, material possessions and just go travel and live abroad like I always wanted to. And uh, that's what I did in the past two years. I had a lot of friends from all over the world. So um, I'm able to rent temporarily from them. I'm like the best short-term roommate one can have. Because <laughs> 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 anywhere I stay for more than a week, I feel at home. And I'm pretty easygoing and uh, really responsible and respectful. People usually like having me, I think. <laughs> do, you, do you do the dishes? Stuff of like course. that. I'll do everything. I take them out. You know, I'm a super um, considerate guest. I've actually been learning that too. So I've been uh, Airbnb being my spa uh-huh. just to see uh, if the difference of how much I can rent my Airbnb mm-hmm. for and then staying somewhere else, mm-hmm. whether it's a cheaper Airbnb or at a friend's place, just temporarily, because I don't know what the legislation is going to be soon with yes. New York. So I don't want to like commit to another place. But just like, yeah, when you're like, oh, wow, you're doing the dishes. I'm like, yeah, you made food. I'm not just going to sit here and like, Eat I all think your it's stuff, courtesy, like, right? You know, I think it's like I'm not, s- all Americans. Do Americans that. are the worst. They don't think to do that shit, which is like obvious to me. Like I'd be like, so, I'm like, I've gotten, I've lost friendships over wow, friends really? who like, oh, they're at my place all the time, and I ask them to just like bring their dishes even to the kitchen, and they're wow, being like. I don't oh. have any friends like that. I don't know. All my no, friends are pretty considerate. I think it's like it's a it's a very like. I think it's a very foreign thing that like to show respect when you're in someone else's home mm-hmm. and like, and all that, like it's very, it's weird. Like and sharing food, sharing cooking. I would just feel obligated to share. Yeah. But some people, even you go to their house, they're cooking and I don't even want it, but it's just like for me, I'm like, he's not offering. It's just bizarre. To or me. it depends, <laughs> yeah. I guess. You know, I think when I stay with my friends, I want it to be as invisible as I want to. Because I, mean, I don't yeah. want it to be in their space. You know, mm-hmm. New York is so tight with space. Yeah. And it's just common courtesy. Yeah. yeah. That it's like, yeah, if you're staying with someone, like you just respect their space or like clean up after yourself. Whatever or like their clean, rules are. You know. Yeah. Actually, when I first moved to New York, I was staying on a friend's couch. <laughs> Um, and they like, I just cooked and cleaned because neither one of them really cooked or cleaned and I didn't pay rent and they just like asked me to stay wow. <laughs> because they were like, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I stayed, I ended up, I was leaving on their couch for like five months and eventually that's I moved a long out. Time. Yeah. But they were just like, cause they were like, no, neither, neither one of them was doing it. And they were kind of like, wow, there's somebody here who like actually <laughs> cleans, like, and actually makes food. So That's like, perfect. they were like, just stay. And I was like, all right. I feel like I've seen a Craigslist for that. Like free rent if you. Really? Plus asterisks of other oh, things. God. Oh, God. No, no. <laughs> it was more like they showed me the you kind of use Craigslist yeah. in New York. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah, I found my apartment. Because it's Craigslist with no broker fee. If I want to find something without a broker well, fee, well, Street e- Easy is street also easy, really yeah. good. I, I've been watching Street Easy as well. Oh, you're but, looking for a new place? Why? Oh, I'm thinking about moving. I 
I don't know. I haven't decided yet, but I want to check the market out. But the other thing is that older people are, pro- are way more likely to put like, so like they're more, way more likely to post on Craigslist. Craigslist right. So really. it's like, you yeah. got to check everything. I'm looking for a new place in the new year as well. Oh, okay. I'll be on the market looking. Well, uh, so yeah, you, so you're, you're a good guest. Yes, I'm a <laughs> well, great guest. So that's how partially you're able to maintain your relationships in terms of where you stayed abroad. Well, it's and then important also, not to uh, never take advantage, you know, yeah. never overstay your welcome. And you said you said the same thing about freelancing too. Uh, yeah, I would leave before I have to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> before they're like, okay, the project's like, I don't know, we don't yeah. have any more work for you. They're kind of like, okay. Well, I think it's always the best position to be in when you choose to be somewhere or do something versus when you need to do something. Absolutely. The best, the best applicant is the one, you know, is the, the casual like the casual job yes. seeker, you don't, not the you don't, desperate. Job yeah, you seeker. don't want to be desperate. Well, you're going to make the wrong choices if you need to yes. make those yes. choices. Yeah. I have watched my friends being desperate and taking on jobs that they hate. <laughs> oh no, I mean, I mean, everyone's done it. I've definitely done it. And then, nope, yeah. <laughs> the worst job I ever had. It, it only, only lasted a month. It was just like, oh, I think you. I remember you telling wanted, me about. That I left crazy. such a shitty place. And then thought that nothing could be shittier. <laughs> and then it was. <laughs> and then this was like the seventh ring of hell. <laughs> Just like a jo- boss, like over your shoulder, like all the time in your ear. Can you, f- can you, can you color that in red? Well, it is in red. The one that I like. Well, what's the one you like? Can you give me the Pantone number? Can you give me a swatch? No, you should just know the one I like. She yeah, told just me. creeping out over your monitor. Well, she would just, and she told me that I looked super, she, she called me in her office because she's, she had, she's like, you don't smile when you, when you render. <laughs> and I was like, bitch, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, yeah. She I, was just like the worst. I think that's ever. why um, it's important uh, when you recognize something that's good yeah. and try to keep it. For yeah. As long as yeah. You can. <laughs> so gratitude. <laughs> well, so tell us then when, when was like the first time you made that leap? So 13 years ago, what um, was the mindset and what you realized and what so made you, you know what? Away? It's actually my sister. Maybe she sparked the travel, you know, thing. Desire. The wanderlust. Yeah, the wanderlust that I had in me. She just told me that she's a lot older than me. She just told me that when she was in her mid-20s, she took a backpacking trip all over Europe and probably went to Israel as well uh, and Southeast Asia. She just said that it changed her life. And, I, and, you know, because I always looked up to her, I was like, wow, I really want to try that as well. So I started traveling. The second I had the opportunity, which is the second I got my passport, um, I started traveling. Um, before I started, um, I started in col- when I was in college. So I would do it in the summertime. And then when I got my first job, I was plotting my escape. So that's when I started traveling in the winter because I realized how cold New York can be. Yeah. So um, my traveling dates shifted. And that's when I started like hardcore, like so, in between every jobs. So was did you ever have a full time? Was it a full time? Um, my only full time job was my very first job, which is at Macy's. <laughs> oh. And then after that, I was traumatized and uh, <laughs> I never had a full time job again. But well, I must say, you know, everything happens for a reason. It definitely conditioned me for any type of fashion job that I could possibly yeah, imagine. Yeah, for, mm-hmm. for the unreasonableness yes, you might encounter. Yes. And also, um, 
you know, the reason I took that job was because I had no choice. And that's a position I never want to be in again. Because when I was finishing, uh, after I finished school, I was on the market to look for a job. But it's really tough. As a newbie, you don't have any prior experience. So no one wants to hire you. Right. Oh, that's the hardest. But how yeah. do you get, gain experience if no one wants to give you a chance? Right. So that first job was very crucial to see if someone will give you that and, you know, foot in the door. And that was, um, I, I was choosing between Macy's and Coach, actually. I'm glad I picked Macy's, I think. Because if I picked Coach, it would have typecast me into a completely different category. Yeah, hmm. Macy's is With Macy's, everyone. it made me more versatile. And people understood how tough and demanding the job was. And, you know, it kind of showed my versatility and my endurance. <laughs> well, that's so funny. Well, what brands do I think it kind of depends on what brands you like work on it you know what it doesn't matter right for me i worked for an unglamorous super moderate um, brand and i don't think anyone would take it very seriously in the fashion industry but it's all about the angle that you present yeah right? once you get in the interview you can show exactly. them how strong you can work but the thing is like getting like if you it's kind of bizarre like if you want to go the opposite way like if you wanted to like it's a lot harder to move up in terms of like if you didn't start in contemporary mm -hmm. or luxury, then mm -hmm. it's really hard to get a job right. in one of those. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I, since I started with corporate companies, as much as I and They pay well. They pay much Exactly. Better. The stability and, you know, the as much as you dislike the process, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 think, I love the process. I think it's... If you want to have a stable job and decent environment, it's much better than a licensing company because there's no oh, yeah. protection whatsoever and it's extremely chaotic. And That's true. If you treat it as a job that you wanted to make a decent living off of, I think corporate corporate company is not so bad. No, that, that's the way to go because if you do something like I started side as well. No, I started in um, I started in contemporary, and I literally worked seven days a week and I'd get one weekend off a month yeah and I made nothing and I had no personal life and like the only honestly the only way I really could afford to like still live here and do it was like that my direct boss was like he really liked me so he would like always send a cab to take me home because I would like work till like midnight wow. and like he would always buy me like breakfast lunch and dinner but I couldn't and like because you was, are living there I, I was much. living there and sometimes he'd just give me cash to like go buy like I'd be like I need to do my fucking laundry and he's like why don't you send it out and I'm like I can't he's like okay go buy some clothes like wow <laughs> that bad it was so bad how long did you stay uh, like a year and a half yeah that's that's pretty much my duration as well you know what <laughs> I you know I take pride in what I do but my very first job kind of made me doubt everything that I know about myself so that's the culture. Yep. I had two very tough bosses and uh, I was tortured and, you know, picked on for a year and a half. And the whole time I was so miserable. But at the same time, it really like conditioned me. Like I could, ha after those two bosses, I could handle anything. And um, I don't know, like I, I think I paid my dues. And after that, I just made sure that I never take a job that I don't like. I'm on the shit right now. I do what I want. So what kind of a safety cut? Like what? What's your cushion? Like how how much like do you like to have before you money wise? Yeah. Um, I think I need to have minimal of like five thousand dollars. You know, on that's not touched. Ideally, ten to twenty thousand dollars cash 
in the bank is important. For when you decide to be like, I'm done with this job or the job closes and then you decide to travel. Yeah. And then well, 5,000 is like for your, your emergency. Bottom, yes, your emergency yes, yes. You never wanted to like return back to New York with, uh, from your travels with no money at right. all. That's yeah. not a good position to be in. Well, you're saying $5,000 reserved and then with whatever addition that you're planning yes. for because for your next trip, which um, is... I don't even... I mean, yes, when I started out, yes, I wanted to have a certain budget. But now, not so much. Like... I don't know. I just kind of go with the flow. I know the, how much I can afford. Like how, whatever the money I have in my bank, I wouldn't know how long it will last me. Right? You seem, yeah, you seem to be very instinctual with it now. Yeah. Was, well, now that you've, you've, yeah. Yeah. you've been doing it for so long. But yes. I remember one of the first things or one of the things that you mentioned to me just passing yeah. you at work. You would just tell me, um, you know, if you want to travel, it, it doesn't cost that much. Yeah, it doesn't. And especially depending where you travel. And something that seems like what you've been really good at is, since you've been doing this for so long, is you understand like which places, mm-hmm. um, how far your money is going to go. Because like you said, in, uh, in New York, you pretty much work to live, right? Because the rent's so expensive, yeah. um, even though you make more money, but it doesn't go as far for whatever reason. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you pick your places and then also which one's you, yeah, you, I, you know what? I'm very intuitive. I try to, you know, because New York is so predictable. You kind of forced to do whatever you have to do to make ends meet. But when you go out there, when you leave life to the, you know, to the imagination and let life surprise you, it's completely unpredictable. That's what I love. And uh, actually, um, people lead me to places. That's how I choose uh, places. When I was younger, I would travel aimlessly. But from all those backpacking trips, I made a lot of friends from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And now, like, if I meet someone really incredible, he's from Mexico and she's from Mexico, I will go there. And, you know, I will make a point to visit them again. Um, Chance of me (laughs) seeing people that I meet on the road is much higher than, you know, my high school friends or college friends. That's not a terribly, terrible way to choose places. Yeah, it's a like, way. Because you're like, okay, this person's cool. Where are they from? Yeah. Maybe there are more people like that. Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, and not necessarily, but it's not the worst way to choose. Well, and I also think that like places are special because of people's exactly. relationships to them. True. Like, you, you know, how like you can like live in a town your whole life and then like, maybe you leave and you come back and like someone's out of town and like you go to Alcatraz for the first time and you're like, this is so fucking cool. And like (laughs) you start to like explore that this is a cool place. It's more about having the lens to view it. Mm -hmm. Like I think most of my favorite experiences traveling were like when people treated me really well when I was there, like people welcoming you. And then you just like, it just feels different. To me, I love point of view. I love meeting people that's very different from me and I love visiting them. Especially they're like, uh, they have an extremely opposite lifestyle and I would love to visit them for a day or two just to live in their space, see how they live. Yeah. That's my way of just transforming myself, have a little taste of what they have. That's probably not something that I want to, you know, I probably don't want it to live the way they do, but for that brief moment, I can experience and feel. To me, that's like a complete transformation for like a pure, a short period of time. That's exciting to me. Well, um, like our Stephanie Felista from, first, from our first season, she said, when you travel, you get to be whoever you want to mm-hmm. be. Exactly. Well, and you probably learn a little bit even more about yourself, though, because you're like a lot. I didn't know that was 
so di- like the fact that you're like identify this person so different from you sometimes you don't realize something's about you till you realize yes. some people don't take that as an assumption no you that's know? <laughs> that's why I I love I guess sometimes I'm really attracted to people that's different from me because be- depends on who you're with your experience is completely different yeah and it's out of your control and if you l- let let that happen that's that's what um it's exciting you know it could surprise you in various ways the places people take you to um the food they eat you know the music they listen to it's not something that you can find you know from a guide it's like a real vacation like a vacation from yourself almost yeah almost yeah i <laughs> i feel like every time <laughs> like it's exhausting being yourself you know like well, it's just like the difference between like going to like a, a resort or mm-hmm. something or doing like the same thing. You need you to do. take a break from yourself once in a while. Oh, absolutely. But I like that. No one knows you. So yeah. You kind of try different I things. I like making plans on my own, like pick things I like, but I especially like letting other people take charge and just plan everything. If I trust their taste, I would just literally show up and I would tell them, just take me wherever. Yeah. No, um, one of the best trips I ever took was I ended up in London. Um, I was like supposed to go visit this guy I was dating or whatever in Australia. And then, then we broke up. And so I still had this time off. So I was like, I met this British guy at my friend's wedding here. And he was like, Oh, if you ever want to come to London. So I like, I hit him up and I was like, Hey, did you mean that? Like you could totally like be, you could totally say, take it back. But like, he's like, no, you can come. So I ended up going and like, I literally met him like, twice yeah i do that all the time yeah and then <laughs> but he like ended up like we ended up going to like some crazy party at claridge's like one of the funnest nights of my life his like he hits me up the next day he's like do you want to go to a movie premiere with my brother and it was for that movie um uh like something about the stars what is it the one about the backup singers for the rolling stones oh, mm, no, I don't know. uh 50 feet from stardom and I went to the I went to the premiere and it was in the Rolling Stones recording studio. Nice. So crazy! Like his brother took me on this like crazy tour. Like and honestly, literally every day they just treated me like a fucking queen. And like he <laughs> gave me his room and he like <laughs> bought like a whole breakfast spread. He's like, I don't know what you eat, but like this is what I, this is what I mean by <laughs> yeah, people, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like literally one of the best trips. And I also went to Sweden, visited my friend on the way, and. She had like this whole like printout for me. Like she was at work, but she's like, these are all the things. And like her mom like made cake and like it was literally like the cutest. I had the best, that was the best trip I've ever taken. Yeah, it's amazing. Anyway. I was yeah. just, um, I was just <laughs> in Australia for three weeks in January. And uh, I went to visit all my friends in three different cities. And almost everyone offered to pick me up in the airport. I was like, this does not happen in New York. <laughs> That's kind of hot. You'll be lucky if someone sends I want to pick you up from the airport. No, I want to. You're going to take the subway and come and pick me up? <laughs> um, so I guess pretty much if you just leave New York, anywhere's cheaper, really, right? <laughs> Most, so, well, I mean, no, if you don't go to London, Europe, London's yeah, not. London's yeah, not. London's Paris Tokyo is very expensive. Um, so if you notice, I've been to all the top cities when I was younger. But if I do go there again, it's very short, very brief, you know, because I want to make sure I don't like spend all my savings there. Yeah. yeah. I need to stretch out. <laughs> right. Well, and one of your favorite places is? Definitely Bali. Yes. And Bali. why Bali? Sorry. Um, you know what? I, 
I love the island lifestyle and I've been to probably over 50 islands all over the world. And not until Bali, I feel like I could actually live there. Because to me, islands are very relaxing and uh, peaceful, but I eventually get bored probably after a week. If you go to the Caribbean, you know, how long can you hang out on the beach, right? But when I got to Bali, instantaneously, extremely spiritual, people are very beautiful, just the way they live. Um, there's so much beauty, you know, um, in the nature as well as the people and um, the way they live. And it's a good mixture of expats and locals. And I've been to Thailand. The Thai islands are very beautiful, but it's not livable to my, you know, standard. Does it, is it like how, like, even whenever you visit a really beautiful island or mm-hmm. like beach town or whatever... It's like you, everyone's like, oh, I could live here, but it still feels like it's for the tourists. Is that like, Bali, um, does Bali feel like less touristy or something? No, it's still very touristy, but it's just got a mixture of everything that you could need, you know, because we're, we come from a really big city and uh, there are areas that's extremely touristy. With, uh, but what I like about Bali is that it's got different landscapes. You know, they have the jungle, they have the volcano, um, there, there are surf beaches there. And there are white sand beaches. So it attracts a ver- various types of people from all over the world. So it is very international. Um, the, qu- uh, the quality of tourists are higher, I think. And, um, you know, it, they have, if you wanted to just go binge and drink, you can go to touristy areas like Kuta. That's where a lot of Australians go. That's why Bali has a really bad reputation in that specific area. But, you know, when, there are areas up north that has a lot of um, surfers and um, a lot of expats. It's like a little village, like almost like uh, all the creative people from all over the world who loves to surf and be creative decides to live in one little village. It's like an eco living in a way. And then there's Ubud. Um, I feel like a lot of people that um, that's in need of spiritual, you know, you know, the discovery. eat, pray, love. Yes. Kinda. Yeah. The eat, pray, love definitely goes to Ubud. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a little bit of, well, uh, the, um, a lot of mixes that, you know, you can choose from. So you can kind of keep yourself entertained for a while and you can eat it really inexpensively. And then there's also really high end hotels and bars that, you know, if you want something, um, you know, elegant or, you know, fancy or upscale, you can definitely go there. To me, it's a variety. Is there a creative scene in yes, that way? Because you're a designer. Yep. And I'm sure, you know, creativity. It's and very public, creative. And being inspired is important. Mm-hmm. I think partially maybe like why Caribbean Island may not be as because you just have the beach, but yeah. it's not really known for. What I notice of- is that not only there's a lot of fashion designers, um, you know, just um, Australia is really close. So a lot yeah. of Australians go there. And then I also discovered a lot of designers that open up shops and actually have factories there. So everything's made, sold there. Um, Australian designers, um, Latin designers, as well as French European designers are all there. Um, so you, you see, there's a lot of styles there. <laughs> And also uh, a lot of entrepreneurs that um, that can work anywhere just on their laptops. They can be there. And I think a lot of people that can be mobile, if uh, you know, they can have their business anywhere. So their Wi-Fi doesn't suck? Um, it's not the most ideal, but it's better than China. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, we used to go to Lebanon in the summers. I mean, I still do sometimes. Oh, I want to go to Lebanon. Oh, God, I heard great things about yeah, it. Yeah, my family's Let's from, all go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> my family's it's on from my Lebanon. List. But this, the, the internet, it's like 
Oh. It's a joke. Like in Beirut, it's okay. But like if we're at my aunt's house in Zahle, it's like. Is Beirut expensive? In Beirut's pretty expensive. Oh. Tel Aviv is very expensive. Beirut's pretty fun. expensive. But like, I think it depends. If you're like, stay, stay with family. Last time though, I was like, mom, we pl- can we please not stay with family and like just rent a, <laughs> we rented like a hotel by the beach. Oh, that's nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is exp- like the prices are very similar. Going out to eat and like going shopping and stuff oh. are very similar. Yeah. But it's like, th- it's such a beautiful country and there's so much like, there's literally like, mountains like mountains to go snowboarding three hours later you're at the beach like swimming like there's um the cedars there's like literal like roman temples that you can still go in and like um really good wineries because there's like all these underground caves you're totally selling it it's It's beautiful (laughs) this is the reason people lead you to places yeah yeah no it's just it's actually such a gorgeous country um i heard amazing things about it yeah but the internet it's oh. a problem. <laughs> I mean, no no place is perfect, right? Yeah. Just how to deal with it. Ice age heat wave can't complain. If the world's at large, why should I remain? Walked away to another plant. Gonna find another place, maybe one I can stand. I move on to another. You just started a swim line. Yeah. Brand is called Jalen Swim. Jalen Swim. How does that how is that spelled? It's J-L-I-N Swim. Jalen. So it's my initial and my last name and swim. I want the brand to be, uh, the name is a bit unisex because right now I'm focusing on men's, but eventually I would like to add women's wear as well. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, obviously, you know, it's inspired by my lifestyle. I love the island lifestyle. And uh, why not design beachwear? (laughs) Amazing. So like, do you do like... Do you do like custom stuff, like made to order or no. you kind of like, you do small runs of production? Or? Uh, so after many years of being in the fashion business, we all know that it's so torturous to have a collection. I, I have decided to make my life simpler. I wanted to uh, design something that's more item driven, more uh, a specialty item mm-hmm. and seasonless because now, you know, you can have a summer every, anywhere in the world, uh, you know, yeah, there's time. a summer anytime in the world if you want to seek it. So I, you can just follow the sun. That's pretty much what I do when I travel. <laughs> so my ultimate goal is to be able to create a business that I can work on the road and make a living um, and to support my lifestyle, basically. And uh, I do truly believe it's possible to do something you're passionate at and make a living at the same time. <laughs> right. Oh, that's right? the whole point. That's the whole point. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the ultimate goal. And I think I'm pretty close to it. Maybe in two years I can be free of the corporate world. And wow. you're and you're making men look better on the beach as well. I definitely think so. I'm not trying to impose my opinion, but I do think the American uh, swimwear, men, American men's swimwear needs a little bit of updating in the silhouettes and length. Right. Yeah. Uh, Surf Saturdays does okay. Like, there's not super long. They're not like dip below your knees. So, the, yeah, the, 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 a little bit. Yeah. So, the whole goal for me is to. I always thought the American swimwear is a little bit too long and baggy and it's too surf focused. Um, and European style swimwear is a little bit shorter and tight. I figure that's a little bit too hard for Americans to adjust. So, why not design something in the middle? Right? Yeah. That's stylish, still comfortable, just a modern fit. Um, and I want the brand to be timeless, but with a touch of edge. 
So it's not something so crazy. And then this season, I did a collaboration with an artist. And uh, I hope, and it was pretty successful. Um, we had a, we were, had a little feature in the British GQ. And um, it's, you know, I'm, it's, it's a little hard to try to get the brand name out there. But little by little, I think I will get there. Well, because you're doing it organically and you're not like hiring Very, a showroom in PR. Right, and, right. right? Definitely business on a shoestring. <laughs> right. Well, but, so you're just released. Uh, where can people buy your products um, right now? I do have uh, my website. It's jaylinswim.com. It's also being featured on bikini.com as the first men's brand. Um, so there's various places for you to find the shorts. I just like that you were strategic about it too, because we all know how hard the fashion industry can right. be, and everyone always goes in I've being like, "I want to create a collection and just like do yeah. whatever wear right. design clothes that I would wear or whatever." Which you can have that element, but being very specific with the question that you're answering right. in the market. Um, do you find that you get like sales through Instagram? Because like Instagram is such like a unique platform for selling directly to you know what it's really interesting because after uh i started a brand and i've just been learning so much from every single aspects and i have design background but i don't have any business background so i have to learn everything really quickly and i now realized design the product is probably five percent of the business absolutely the rest is social media pr marketing production and uh, business strategy um there's so much to the business uh, beyond designing, right? Um, so I'm learning uh, and really quickly and I'm meeting a lot of interesting people and uh, getting to know the business and the market because everything's shifting in retail right now. And it, as well as production, China's changing, the factories changing their strategies, the retailers changing their strategies. So I'm just kind of, you know, um, partnering up with various um platforms mm -hmm. um people with new business ideas um like this new um app that i just discovered i i, I got connected to this uh, the owner of the creator of this app through a friend and it's very interesting platform uh to um, his business uh, model is to um bridge uh influencers to uh brands and yeah. create mini campaigns in you know because back in the days before the influencers you have to go to the advertise you know advertising well, you have to hire your own PR agencies your own PR still. agencies so now it's a whole new ball game and anything's possible it's a perfect time to test your um, new strategy well and that actually makes sense too because then you can get it for like a more reasonable rate like if you're right. going directly to to the influencers themselves. Right. Um, and for the influencers too, because it seems like when right. you're talking about their app, it's he's really targeting more kind of the micro ones. Yes. So maybe people who aren't right. like haven't blown so up. not like million dollars, yeah. but they're getting those micro influencers who almost like an agent, you know, yes. connecting yeah. them with brands who are relevant. And because that becomes a whole other full time job too, if you're actually. Yeah. Me. So back to your question. Yes. Instagram is extremely important at the moment in terms of social media marketing. Are you uh, getting a lot of sales thing. through that? Not yet, because I'm trying to gain organ organically, organically gain my yeah. followers. Yeah. And that's going to take a lot of time and requires a lot of good content. Yeah. And uh, so I'm hoping to use this uh, app and application, um, the platform, to increase my um, followers. And then from there, I will be able to promote and share my information and images and let people know more about the brand. 
But I think that's gonna. I'm gonna spend the next three to six months working on that. Right, three to six months. Well, I was gonna just ask. Um, last time we talked, you mentioned, uh, yeah, how much work it is, how much learning on the go you're doing. But even though your maybe your sales aren't where they are yet, yes. you were talking about you've met your goals that you set out to achieve so far? Well, um, I think, you know, it's important to be realistic. When you start any kind of business, you have to kind of know in your mind that the first three years, it's going to be a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and tear and very little return. And uh, it's important to set realistic goals. My goals right now is just to perfect the product, you know, feel really good, confident about it before I approach the buyers and share with the customers. And also, you know, trying to get my brand out there uh, via social media, influencers, and press, um, trying to create that demand. And before I have all of that, you know, it's going to be kind of like a waiting game, you know. And, and uh, once I have all of that, then I feel like I will be able to um, get investors and, you know, grow the company in a faster pace. Right now, it's still at a very baby organic stage. It's got a, it's a, I have a long way to go. <laughs> Right, right. Well, it's good. I mean, it's good to be to Real. know that and be realistic. Yeah. And also because if you tried to scale up too quickly, yes. then you wouldn't you'd have to exactly. give up your travel lifestyle. Exactly. Not quite ready yet, but yeah. soon. <laughs> soon. But I feel like a lot of people who want to start a business, they have unattainable, unrealistic goals and they get discouraged very easily if it doesn't happen instantaneously. That's the process part that I'm learning about as yeah, well. Yeah. So it's important, <laughs> you know, for me, like anything I do. You, I have to have an overall long-term goal, maybe a five-year goal, something that, that's so far from what I can do achieve now, but um, you know, have that as um, a guide. And then I make realistic goals to you know, try to work towards that. And you know, my, your path might take you somewhere different, but it's nice to work towards something. You gotta set it high. To the flame that I train with and travel with Something in my eyes say I'm so close to having a prize I realize I'm supposed to reach for the skies Never let somebody try to tell you otherwise And now a voiceover actor to tell you a bit about Breather. A Breather is a well-decorated remote workspace you can rent by the hour with lots of locations and sizes to choose from. Oh, and no, actually record episodes in them from time to time. So... If you need a space to work remotely, have a meeting, or do something that's no one else's business in private, use discount code CHILL at breather.com for $45 off your first booking. Thanks, voiceover actor. Now back to our interview. Personally, I wanted to, I'm kind of obsessed with um, this book called Daily Ritual. Uh, I wanted to obviously work on myself personally as well as work on the business. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of successful um, talented people, um, you know, creatives as well as um, b- people in business, they have their own routine and goal. And I think that's very important. Uh, so I want to try to establish a ritual daily. I haven't figured out exactly what yet, but once I figure it out, I would certainly share. Do you have any elements that you do know you want in it? Um, definitely physical health. Um, I'm definitely going to work on physical health and just eat healthier, more sleep, workouts. I think... Uh, the, I think the key to happiness is your physical as well as mental health. Absolutely. If you are not feeling well, you're not going to be happy 100%. But if you're like at your peak physical condition, you're happy. Um, if, you, you, if you feel no pain, you're going to be like a lot happier naturally. 
and you're yeah. going to not be in a desperate situation because in some ways just your body not being yeah. in a good place. So yeah. you're at least, you know, whatever mental difficulties you're going to be handling, you'll have more of a capacity to take them on. Plus, even when you're just like having a, like in a kind of a bad mood and you work out, it already, like, even though like, yeah. you're fucking, if you're like, I don't fucking want to do this workout, like you leave it like being like, my whole house is great. <laughs> like <laughs> I almost kind of think that's a cue. You you have to realize your body is so fragile. You know, if you abuse it, it's not going to last. You know, at that peak p- p- condition for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it, it, once you damage it, it's going to take a long time to repair. So, what would you tell someone who is? all about like wants to live this similar lifestyle how would you think they should take some steps towards it you were saying setting some more reasonable goals well, like i think you know it's really important to really figure out what you want and what makes you happy let's say for me travel makes me happy so i will do whatever it takes right you know to get to that point um, if having a nice apartment is important to you, then it's going to take you a lot longer to live the kind of life that I live because it's, um, it's definitely a challenge. Um, you, I think it's important to write down your goal and then figure out how you're going to get there realistically. What, in what you're willing to sacrifice exactly. to, to get there. Right. How long it would take. Sometimes it's not about the money. I really feel like for me, anything I wanted to do, if I just visualize it and I have that goal, I, I feel super positive about it's going to happen. It will happen. Your brain starts coming up with ideas on yeah, how, to, yeah. how to pull it together. There's always, to me, there's always a solution to a problem. I never think that, you know, anything is impossible to do. So I think if you believe, I mean, I'm not encouraging people just to be a dreamer, but they have to have a dream, but also be a doer and execute it. Well, right. That seems to be what makes you actually attain your goals. You know, you, exactly. There's that whole like definitely secret where people are like, just put it out there and it'll happen. But it's like you also have to come up but, with you know, some ideas right. of how that's going to happen. But sometimes, you know, I would tell people, this is what I want to do. And they would think that it's so unrealistic. But I know I'll get there eventually. It's a matter of time. It's about believing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, maybe I can give you an example. So how I would do it if I were to start from the very beginning, um, let's say if you don't have a lot of money and you have a decent job um, and you have the goal to go somewhere. And, you know, first of all, you have to pick a destination, right? What do you prefer? Do you prefer Latin countries or Asian countries? You know, people usually have preferences. It's not just about price. You know, there's a lot of things that you have to factor. For me, I um, traveled... Uh, every every winter, I would pick a continent, and then you know I would spend two three months there and yeah. get to know that continent. Because the key is the flight. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it's the most expensive portion. The most expensive portion, and the um, it's important to maximize your flight. Right. So once you get that cr- one crucial flight, um, and then once you get into that continent, then it's easy for you to get around. So you can hit up ten countries if you want to, if you have time. And I think it's also crucial to set aside an amount of time that you can be away and deal with. So time, destination are all these things that you have to think about. 
And then money is secondary, I think. You know, once you have all of that, then you can figure out how much it will cost you. Um, and you can start budgeting. Yeah, exactly. Not buy your, you know, your Starbucks every day exactly. for the next few and months. And you can do it reversely. You know, let's say you have a destination and you know how long you want to be away. Then you can figure out um, the amount of money you need. Vice versa, you have, like, let's say you have $3,000. And then that can determine how long you can be away. And with that money, how far you can go. And uh, you were asking me about credit cards I use. I think for someone who has a, pr- a pretty um, good credit, I would recommend them to get two credit cards. One is the um, AA Advantage credit card with Citibank. Um, that will give you, once you sign on, usually give you a lot of bonus points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to look out for the deal. Sometimes it's 40,000 points. Sometimes it's 60,000 points if you're lucky. Um, you can buy, um, a, you can get an award ticket to Asia, a one-way ticket for 35,000 points. And the surcharge is very low. It's like $5. But then like, what do you earn points on? Do you earn points on like dining? Yeah, like, everything. On travel? But what, what, you- I, what I'm talking about is when you get that credit card initially, you get the sign-up bonus. And you can, you know, you can have a jump start. You can have a, if you're, if you are lucky, you wait for the right timing, you can almost get a return flight. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I'm so just saying spend like, like the first, you get the points. Like you have to like spend like a certain amount. So every credit card is different. Sometimes it requires you to spend $3,000 in three months, which is pretty easy in New yeah. York. But the yeah. rewards do add up if you're about traveling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but then it's like, I guess I was just curious, like in terms of like long term, then like what do you keep earning money on? Like, could you earn money for every time you go to, some of the cards are like every time you go to dinner. Yeah. Every time you book a hotel? I pretty much, you know, I don't believe in debt. I don't believe in spending money I don't have. So basically, I charge everything I could possibly charge, like going out to dinner, um, transportations, and then I make sure I pay my credit cards in full. So yeah, you're, so you're, you're just pretty much spending using the money instead you of your ATM. Yeah. Exactly. And then you're accumulating points, right? So you get that. And that, uh, if you do it right, you know, if you plan it properly, maybe within three months, you could have the, almost a return flight for free. Pretty much. And then you can have a one, return ticket to Asia, for example. Or if you fly to Central America, maybe it's less points. Oh, right. That's American Airlines? You yeah, said American the Airlines. Yeah. Not the best airline, but the points are really versatile. And then uh, it gives you flexibility in uh, changing your dates as well. And what was, the, and other what was the other card? The other card is Amer- uh, American Express Starwood. There's a couple of benefits, you know. So obviously when you sign on… So you have, they have a lot of hotel, hotels within that, you know. The Starwood hotel. Ho- hotel yeah, group, so yeah. they have like luxury end and they have slightly lower end. And then when you sign up, also the sign up bonus will allow you to stay in the uh, high end hotel, maybe for a night, like a top luxury hotel. Or you can use that sparingly and stay in the lower end hotel for two, three nights. So I usually use that um, for um, going to big cities. Because if you go to, let's say, Southeast Asia, you go to an island, you can get really inexpensive accommodations right. on a remote location for like yeah. $20, $30. Right. Yeah. Um, and or if you wanted to like stay in the boutique hotel, you can easily get it for $40 or $50 in Southeast Asia. So you don't really need that. But big cities, major cities are usually They're quite expensive. Crazy expensive. Yeah. So I would save that. So n- now you have a ticket over and then you can cover some, you know, layover spots. And then once you get there, it's just spending money. It's pretty easy. You don't need that much money. Right. You got yeah. the most expensive part. Out exactly. Of the way. So once you have the flight, um, you have a couple of emer- emergency nights in the hotels. Then you can free to explore. What are the apps you use while you're traveling? 
Um, I actually do use um, TripAdvisor a lot. I try to read up the reviews. You know, back in the days when the travel books are still in, you know, I yeah. usually use Lonely Planet so you read about it. But now I try to cross-reference, you know, all the um, yeah, know, reviews. TripAdvisor is pretty good stuff. for food especially too because like Yelp is like m- most Yelp people… Yelp for here. Yelp is yeah. for here. Other people in other countries, it's only Americans that use Yelp. Yeah. Like, and they'll be it like… It exists yeah. in other countries. Well, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I definitely used it when I was traveling in Europe like last time and it was like oh blah blah this person was rude and I was like I don't understand like I can't tell if this place is good or not because Americans complain about other stupid shit yeah it's just- like I just want to know how good was that fucking croissant you know like <laughs> right and then yeah this trip advisor <laughs> and also trip advisor was really good another tip that. is that um it's Important. I use um, Flight Search Engine, uh, the app um, Skyscanner. I love Skyscanner. That's pretty good because once you fly over there, you're in the continent. All the flights within the country is quite inexpensive. Uh, America is probably one of the most expensive, and you know it's got the most inter- uh, expensive internal flights. Once you get to Asia, there's so and Europe, there are so many budget airlines. You can get tickets for like thirty or fifty dollars to like a different city or hop over to a different country. Skyscanner. So yeah, I'm never that worried about. And what I do with Skyscanner is usually I look for flights and then I compare because a bunch of different airlines come up. And then I if I once I find the date and the airline I want, I go to a specific airline and just play around with it airline to see if I can find something even cheaper. Well, I'm kind of curious. Um, what yeah, do you give up by doing this? What do I give what, what up? Is your, what are your sacrifices by doing this? Like, um, I guess, you know, I am a Actually, by nature, I love stability. But having the lifestyle I have, it creates uh, instability, I guess. But so it's really interesting. So I will go to a foreign country and I will be somewhere for short periods of time. But I always try to find routine within that short periods of time to make me feel more stable, right? Huh. So like I was saying earlier, anywhere I can stay for more than a week because I'm so used to being on a uh, go having very little mater- materialistic possessions by um, staying anywhere for more than a week I feel at home you know totally like embrace that moment of not moving so you create your own stability yeah within that short period of time Ooh, I have two questions yeah so you're saying you actually naturally tend towards stability yeah so what like you as a kid growing up and things like that were you actually a very uh, I guess you really like routine and just were a bit more rigid. Do you yeah, think? you know what? Um, yes, I would say even when I was in high school, by nature, I'm someone who loves to plan. You know, I I like knowing what's going to happen next, and I don't think I'm as spontaneous as now. But I am always keen to improve myself. So I definitely set every time I go on a trip, I set challenges for myself. For example, I love. Um, I hate to be alone. So I will purposely plan trips to 
go out on my own. So I will force to talk to other people, you know, put yeah. myself in a really <laughs> uncomfortable place and zone. So I almost like to the extreme so I can find uh, the balance in the middle um, as well as, you know, I love to plan. Therefore, I literally only buy a one-way ticket and see what happens. And I give myself a time frame, like two months, you know, out there and see. So um, you never know what's going to happen. Sometimes I will stay longer. Sometimes I'll come back sooner. Oftentimes I always stay out there for as long as I can. And, what else did I want? Oh, and so now like I have no problem uh, showing up anywhere and I can pick up, um, you know, and take off and go whenever I like to. That's the confidence I gained from just putting myself in an uncomfortable position. I was going to say, do you feel way more comfortable at parties where you don't know other people? No, I don't actually, I'm actually really shy. I'm really shy naturally. No, I just like, it's one of those things that I've like, noted, like, um, you know, when you go to like events, like where you maybe know one person, yeah. but they're occupied, like it's like the, the eternal connection not like the eternal awkward conundrum like being right. at a party where you don't know anybody, I definitely whatever. don't enjoy that you don't you no. don't feel has that I was going to ask has that made you like more but when you're traveling it's different no I'm asking <laughs> has that made you more comfortable with that now has traveling and pushing your boundaries that way has uh, that definitely. translated definitely if I'm in a traveling mindset then I can do it it's really strange. But if you're like kind of... But if I'm New like York. in a New York zone, <laughs> it's different because you're more guarded for sure. You don't... No one wants to be vulnerable, right? But when you're on the road, you're vulnerable and no one knows you and it's okay. Yeah. And, and they kind of embrace... Like people can sense that and they're like, here. Exactly. But here, everyone's equally guarded. So it's much harder to be open. And everyone's always kind of on too. Because you're talking yeah. about this is where you work to live. There is kind of a sense... I remember that kind of being a switch when I took my career more seriously because I feel like I don't naturally talk to everyone, but I kind of made it a goal earlier on in my life just to be like comfortable in, in those sort of situations. And um, I remember once I just started trying, I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. Like, I don't really care. And of course, like if you don't really care about the impression, I mean, I want to make a positive one, but I'm not like, oh my God, I need to make a great impression. But like once I started thinking a bit more, like, okay, my career and maybe this person could lead you to something or whatever and being in more in that context and people like just underhandedly, even when you think it's a casual thing, actually like you can tell by the questions they're asking, they're trying to like size you up and figure out, you know, how into some yeah. mindset in New York, it's harder just to be I like, I hate yeah. how jargony everyone is. I'm like, cause I like, it's so weird. Like I've been trying to explore like a new career in, um, in UX. Right. And my understanding, I'm like UX user experience, like that's anything that a user like works with, right? It should be really straightforward. But in terms of like it being used as like a, it's like, like you're interfacing with software or whatever, it seems so complicated. So I've just been reading and at first it really frustrated me just trying to understand it. And then I just reading and I was like, wait, this is exactly what I thought. I already like kind of am. I kind of know, like, I basically know this and like, this is kind of what every designer does. And like, this is, if you're a critical thinker, you should be able to do this. But it's like, getting through that jargon is so obnoxious. <laughs> it is like, it's like, and I kind of like, I guess that's also part of why that, that kind of situation becomes frustrating. Because you're like, people are looking for you to use the right words and like, whatever, versus like, on what level do we understand each other? Where you were talking about traveling by yourself and like, being vulnerable people are just trying to understand you on the le like connect to you on that level right of like 
humanness. Humanness. Well, yeah. Yeah. Know, humanity. Something that I crave is the deep connection with people. And that's what I find uh, the most effective when I'm on the road because people are so open. But when you're in a big city, you can go to any parties and you can know, uh, see these people a hundred times, but no one will actually open up. There's no opportunity. Everyone's so busy and consumed with, and with all their distractions in their life. And to me, that's not something that I'm interested in being around. That's why I don't really make an effort to meet people in New York because it's tough. Everyone's in the same place. I just want to be able to connect with someone really quickly, you know, within the span of two, three hours. I wanted to know everything about you. No one even has time or desire to do that here. That's the biggest challenge in New York, I think. Well, it's, yeah. I think it's also, I mean, I think that's why we kind of like doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's all about life innovation and what your, yeah. your goals are and how you, how you make that happen. But the process together and understanding the person for why they chose those things is such a deep yeah. understanding of someone. You get there very quickly. And it's funny. I think that's why we were just compelled to do this because we were like, I know these are things everyone's thinking about, but they don't always think this is, you know, uh, like dinner table conversation or whatever, you know, or like... Or maybe it's only like a private thing because, you know, it is, there's vulnerabilities in it. Or when people do talk about it in New York, because you do always have to be about something, it is, it's not the full picture of what that means. It's like honest, it's like fresh. Like I actually had someone, um, uh, like someone who listens to the podcast saw him at a party a couple of weeks ago and he, he said that he really liked um, that one episode that we did where we just did um, current events and he was like, I'm so happy you talked about Kaepernick. <laughs> um, and it was really funny because I always think that we're pretty open, but I realized like that was like a, because t- when you take on a subject that's kind of controversial, that's like really being vulnerable. Mm, right. Because we're putting open ourselves up to being like, oh, these Your point people is, don't know yeah. what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Or, or whatever. being criticized yeah. or whatever. And we ended up having a really great conversation, but he was like, like, Basically, said it was super glad we talked about that, um, and I was like, "Oh wow!" Like I realized that we weren't like we weren't being as like ex- exposing ourselves in that way that we thought maybe we right, had. yeah, because um, we weren't sure if we wanted to be political or not. But yeah, you can always you can always learn more about how to push yourselves, and I guess yeah. it's good to be intentional with it. I like what you were saying though about how like each travel um, trip that you are intentional with it in that way. Uh, I was actually just reading this thing about. Uh, proper learning you know there's that whole like ten thousand hours mm-hmm. is malcolm what, gladwell right to master something that you need to put that much time in but there's definitely just as much research about that the quality of it mm-hmm. is just as important for sure so like for example they give the example of driving you know people who especially if you live in the suburbs they drive how many hours in their life but there's a learning curve like obviously at the beginning you're really shitty at it and you're obviously, you really try to get better at it. But then you plateau, even though you keep driving at how many hours? Are you talking about hard, that hardbound story? Yes. I love hardbound. So funny. We actually, uh, we might be doing a partnership with them. Well, I want to, I've been like in contact. What's the story? Um, it's is on, it a book or no? It, no, hardbound is a website. And okay. every Thursday they put out, so they're really cool in that they're a new way of storytelling. It's kind of slide based and you click through it. So, but the, it's like cutely animated, but it has information like one cent, one or two sentence bites. So like you're learning and clicking through it and it's like a way to easily digest the story without having to watch a video. Got it. Um, 
So Han. And it's mobile. It's mobile. Based. Yeah. They text it to you every Thursday. Um, actually I like reached out to Nathan, the the founder to ask him um, if I could like, I wanted to pitch him stories oh, and he cool. was like, Oh, we're not taking stories now, but like, keep, keep emailing me. I feel like we're going to open it back up soon. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. That's awesome. Um, but, uh, I'll send it to you. Cause the one I have is the, from, yes, from today. Um, but, but yeah. yeah, it pretty much, it talks about the quality of your learning, uh, and yeah, you use driving as an example and how if you really want to get better at something though, you have to be intentional with it. You know, you have to set goals and you have to be like, I'm working on this next. And yes. that's, that's part of the 10,000 hours of how much it takes to get oh, there. Oh yeah. The science of practice. <laughs> Is that the book? No, it's not even a book. It's, it's just like their oh. quick, it's their article, but the way that their if articles work faster than I just explained it. Yeah. Um, except for the internet here is a little slow. But it explains, yeah, the different kinds of practice and how like there comes a point where you plateau. If you don't keep pushing yourself, then it doesn't matter if you even, yeah, even if you do keep doing it. I so related to that because I kind of feel like I'm like above average at so many things. <laughs> but then, <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, I'm better than average and I know more than, but then like I yeah. don't go to the point right. where I actually master it. Um, Super cool. No, absolutely. It resonated with me so much. <laughs> well, it's funny what you're saying about the jargon stuff. It's so true though, because that I guess it is in some ways. It's culture. It's language. It makes people think that you're you're in with them in the same way. Knowing like you yeah. listen to hip hop or whatever, right? Um, and it's not that you know hip hop talks about issues and things that you don't need to listen to hip hop to understand. But like, there's going to be certain references and things like that that make people feel like, okay, you really get this. And I don't know. It's just. Uh, it is funny though, as someone who's like switched careers a good amount of time, it is the first thing that you like should like master. Like, cause it's true. If you just like know the jargon, people yep. all of a sudden are like, they're going to assume that you've read these other five books, <laughs> you know, because you've heard, cause you're just saying certain terms or people will be so surprised that you even know it. Like finance people. And I just like can excuse finance terms. They're like, you know that? Like they just, they're just so oh, yeah, amazed. People look at you like you're so foreign. No, I know. <laughs> like what? You I know. know that term. It's like, it's not that complicated of a thing but you just know the term i know but it's so funny how like yeah we judge people based on that but it's like i think like it's weird we all maybe know the same things and we just speak different languages well that's what i find more often than not it's just what you label it but i think that's what's kind of cool teach you how to speak my language rosetta stone i swear this life is like the sweetest thing i've ever known I constantly struggle with um, finding meaning what, in what I do. Do you guys face that issue as well? You know, what I mean is that, you know, I'm in a fashion business and it's extremely materialistic and superficial. Of course, it seems, you know, glamorous, you know, exciting. But oftentimes, you know, I ask myself, I'm not saving lives here. I'm just producing a piece of garment. I, you know, I don't feel as... Um, I don't feel like I'm contributing as much as a doctor saving lives in the ER, you know? So that's what I struggle with constantly trying to justify and make sense of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. <laughs> so like, do you feel like, I think this is something we all struggle with because it's like, do you need to feel that you're getting purpose out of the thing you're doing? Like, or maybe like, I think that's part, actually part of why we started this podcast. It was mm -hmm. really, and then, this issue is especially uh, in, like, you know, big for me 
by living in New York because it's such an expensive, materialistic city. If you don't have a decent job, if you're not working your asses off, you're not going to be able to maintain the comfortable lifestyles that you know everyone else is living in. Therefore, you know, and everyone pretty much lives beyond their means. And that's the reason that it kind of drives the conversation as well to become very superficial. And that's the biggest thing. And that's the reason that I always leave New York because that's the only way for me to be sane and yeah. to appreciate what New York has to offer. And I don't think people in New York leave enough. Oh, I, I agree with you. But they get so caught up. But I think that part of it is like, you can't feel like, do you enjoy making clothing? Do you I, enjoy designing? You know what? From a very young age, I just know that I love beauty. You know, everything that, that's beautiful. I, I want yeah. to be surrounded by beautiful things, beautiful people. I, you know, when you look at my photographs, that's how I see the world. I choose to see the world in a clear, vibrant, colorful way. And even if I'm in a third world country, I will still be able to f- capture beautiful images when it could, you know, be sad at times. But I wanted to experience it. I wanted to be there beyond this comfortable lifestyle, you know, beyond this materialistic world. It is my belief that that is the thing every person chases is beauty. Like, that is why we buy beautiful. That's why we buy the clothes that we buy. Or, I mean, and sometimes we buy shitty clothes, but like, that's a representation of how we feel about ourselves. But why anybody wants to be around other people who are good looking or why anybody wants to spend you know, an extra $10 on this mug that's like better designed than that one. Literally all humans ever want is to be surrounded by beauty. But I think that- Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But, and I don't think that we should shame that kind of beauty. Like as long as we're not trying to force other people into a box. But also when we talked about the experiences that felt the best, like visiting people in other countries, Mm -hmm. we were experiencing- their beauty, exactly. right? And like their point of view. Yeah. And then that's something that's not attainable. That's not something visceral. That's something that's like passing and like why we connect to certain other people. So I really think like, I've thought a lot about this because I left, I kind of left fashion. Right. Because I, I felt a lot like, of people struggle with that. Well, I mean, it was more like, I just didn't feel like I was contributing anything good to the world or feeding my creativity mm-hmm. enough. Right. Mm-hmm. So then there wasn't any point in it, but, um, But like, you can be good to people. And like, I think that that's okay. Like, it's okay to do something that you like doing that maybe doesn't add what, you know, isn't saving lives. Cause even doctors get tired of being doctors Mm -hmm. and like science, you know, climate scientists get tired of being climate scientists, but we can all be better to each other. Yeah. And then that's a, Uh, that's the best form of beauty. Well, one of our premises for the podcast is that to play to your strength and I think their strength is not just like your skills, but it also is, you know, doing something that you really enjoy because you're going to be better at it. You're going to spread that. And I think even, <laughs> not saying people who are, who do dedicate themselves to, to service is awesome. Um, but it has but to come from the right place. It has to come from the right place. I think a lot of people get tied into that because uh, they, for that same um, reason where, there's their worth comes from that. And there's also, I was talking to friends in the nonprofit like world. Sometimes it can, it almost becomes um, just like in fashion where things can become, what's the word pathological where 
anything positive happening at that point or making any money or anything. It's like, oh, wow, like I'm not helping enough. But then how can you give people burnout is so bad in those industries a lot of times because they're just giving so much and not taking care of yourself. And then and and it's not like it's bad anymore, but we can actually maximize and probably help even more if we made sure to make it a bit more sustainable. Yeah. And and I also just think that like the idea like of being in a nonprofit, be, like I think a lot of people aspire to that, but non people nonprofit employees get paid the least. And like even if you want to talk about like big nonprofits like the Red Cross, like first of all, so fucking horrible another hurricane like that hurricane wow, just hit no. Haiti. Yeah. Haiti never recovered from the first uh, from the first, you know, was the earthquake, right? Yeah. Um and like all, like it was, was it, how many millions of dollars were donated to the Red Cross? Was it a hundred million, several hundred million, maybe even a billion? I, it's just like some obscene number. And I think the total number of houses that were actually built was like 30. And there was this huge investigation into what happened. And they kept putting in all this money to like for these programs, but they would just set up the money and do nothing with it. And then it would just get like, go into these accounts and just totally disappeared. So like, you like get both extremes. Right? You get both extremes where you're like, oh, well, like people, like it must feel so much more shitty to work in an organization that's intended to help and you feel like you're not getting to help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, like, right. When fashion, at least you're like, okay, we're not saving lives here. Right. <laughs> Although some people treat it like they're saving lives. They treat lives. it like they're saving well, lives. The truth is that I speak to this, I mean, I asked a lot of my friends about, you know, this issue and they are in different professions and their answer is that, you know, there's um, a different place for you in the society. And without us, you know, I mean, I think the society does need people like us to generate beauty. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and Sorry, going to finish. Oh, no, I, I feel like, you know, I don't, I don't want to overthink it sometimes. It's, you know, I just have to do it. <laughs> well, actually, my, my friend who, um, he's from North Africa, I want to say... Morocco. I want actually. I want to say Morocco. Tunisia. And uh, what's his name? (laughs) (laughs) I can maybe tell you. (laughs) Well, okay, whatever. I want to travel with you. (laughs) I want to see your point of view, and I can show you around. All right, yeah, let's do it. I'm pretty good. (laughs) Top cities. (laughs) Um, we were having this conversation though about uh, service and helping. He's like, "Why are Americans so obsessed with saving Africa?" (laughs) Oh yeah. He's like, "Americans don't want to save." you know so don't want to save the kid down the street why are these white people like so into like and this is actually my friend from ghana said the same thing she's like stop like stop talking about it like that you know like we don't need to save like we need to help ourselves like it's good to like assist and things like that but like there's this whole like savior um, complex. complex going in that way and what he said to me um my friend was like like one first you take care of yourself then you take care of your family right. then you take care of your friends then you take care of your community. Then you take, why? That stuff's not even taken care of. And then they go to Africa. He's, and I was like, <laughs> that is and, a very, very true. And that's it's true. true. And I think we that's have so all many you issues in this country. Exactly. I know, but we just ignore them because then it would be admitting that America isn't great or something. Well, the Versus, problem is education, I think, lack of education. Absolutely. But then we blame, like, you know, but we tend to blame people who need help. And so then. That's not this. That's a savior complex. Yeah, seeing this, like you're actually what needs help in some ways. Maybe you know, maybe you're not the starving Africa kid, but there's still some really cultural, fundamental problems in our culture, and poverty still happens in a place where we're the richest, like one, yeah, the richest, richest country, country in the, the world. world. And um, that's still 
And we're still like the number one producer and number one waster of, of oh, food. Big and we still have a hunger problem. All yeah. packaging. Oh, God. We're such a wasteful country. I know. You know, yeah. And it, it, but it's where you're from. And so it makes sense for you to, that's where your responsibility lies, you know, and making sure that's in line. And I don't know, it actually made a big like, impact on how I think about that sort of stuff with, with that sort of question with if well, you're making the impact you can. That's you know, what's going on. I met someone when I was younger and uh, she was someone who's just naturally selfless. And I don't think I will ever become so selfless like her. And she has helped me through some really tough times when I was a teenager. And years later, you know, I graduated from college and I started working. I asked her, do you want me to do anything for you in return? Because, you know, now I, I can support myself. She's like, no, I don't really want anything from you. All I ask for is for you to be, you know, how I helped you. All I ask is for you to help whoever you can. And I thought it was so impactful. I'm like, wow, if I can just help one or five people in my lifetime, they can then reach out to help five more people. And, you know, that as insignificant and as it might, it might seem, it could be really powerful and long lasting. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And I think. And I thought yeah. that was really inspiring. And I, you know, I think it's so totally attainable and achievable to do. Absolutely. I mean, part of the thing, like the whole chill and ambitious thing was like about this community and whatever. But I remember when I first moved to New York, one of my old, um, she wasn't my direct boss, but she, you know, was my, was senior. She like, I moved and she like gave me her couch or she like arranged for me, her boyfriend to give me his couch and like gave me like a bunch of new, like really nice clothes. We both worked at like a luxury company and like, but she had a lot of nicer stuff and she just kind of like set me up and she was just like, no, this is just what you do. Like everyone needs it. Like it's the, it's what you do. And so like, it's kind of my thing too. Like now it's like every time somebody's like, Hey, do you know somebody like I need a job or whatever? Like, I think I'm like, like three people up this week. Yeah. Just just like. That's if what you, you have can, to do. Yeah. If you have the ability and other people has helped you along the way, why not, you know? Yeah, like, oh, do you need, like my little brother, I got his best friend just moved to New York and she was like looking for a place and somebody was like looking for someone in my building. So now she lives downstairs and it's like, I'm always like, let me take you after ice cream. Or like, just because it's so hard. Yeah. It's so it hard. It is so hard in New York. You have to like. someone's help and guidance. Well, thank you so much. It was super fun to yeah. have a chat with you guys. I would love to chat again. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so, again, your website for your for your swimwear? It's jaylinswim.com. jaylinswim.com. And Check it out. Uh, Instagram in- and Twitter are jaylinswim. All right, awesome. Anything else? Any Anything else you want to plug? Announcements? Um, you know, if anyone needs any travel tips, I'm happy to give. And uh, I, I'm happy to help you plan travel tips as well. I think, you know, I'm pretty good at, you know, giving advice in where to go and, you know, how to budget it and definitely um, can make anything possible with, within your budget. So then they should reach out to you on Twitter at Jalen yeah, Swim and totally. ask you. All right. Wonderful. Thank you again yeah. for being here. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. So that was Jalen. Yeah, Jalen. Not to be confused with Shaolin. Right. Uh, when, I, when I first met her, I thought her name was God. <laughs> Shaolin. Because her is name was Ja. 
Oh, Ja, Ja Rastafari. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was, well, it's spelled J I A. So I didn't think it. She was like, no, it was Ja. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, ja. Yeah. Um, no. um, she's super cool. I really like her. You know, she's like, has this really, um, like, like really um, open kind of spirit. And I, and I loved that about her. But it's so funny. It's almost like, I think what I kind of took away is like, cause she did definitely said she plans like her life and makes sure that she spends time like thinking about, you know, like she has enough money and whatever, but it's almost like in having that structure of the money and whatever that it, um, it like allows her, like it allows her the freedom to kind of be totally this like free person. I'm glad you pointed that out. That she, in some ways, because she prioritized figuring out the money aspect and, and calculating like, that, and it like, gave yeah. her the freedom. Because I think that's the one... She seems so relaxed. Which yeah. Maybe, well, I, I think it's the fear of doing your own thing is that you won't be able to sustain, sustain yourself financially or, you know, if you do have a conflict of what your living requirements are, that you're not going to be able to hold on to those anymore. Um but yeah, she seems to, you know, when she wants to do something, have a hard look at what it means to actually do that and do the planning. Because I feel like that happens so many times. People are like, but how? Right? That's part of the reason why I want to do yeah. this podcast. But how do you do it? But how, yeah. Um, and and it's true, too, because she's just like, and she also knows that she's good at en- enough at her job that like when she comes back, she'll be able to find one. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's good relationships with, you know, her agents and whatever. And like, obviously, then her work must speak for itself. Yeah. Know? And I've seen her at work. She's really good at um, managing expectations. And maybe for the same reason, uh, Stephanie, our our tuned in traveler episode, um, seems like she's, I guess when she's in her job, uh, she's excited about it because... Um, and focused. And focused because it is like, every, you don't get to that comfortable state with your full-time job that, that can happen, especially if you're like a very corporate place, you know, yeah, where you just start I going through the motions. Everything. Yeah. And it seems like she doesn't get to that point. Um, Cause I've gone to work with her and she's the times I'm there. Yeah. She, you know, you still like, I mean, I'm, I'm like that when I first started job, you know, <laughs> right? totally. this is the best ever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I'll, then, like, I'll try months. really hard and like, actually like appeal to the boss. Like why not? <laughs> you know? And then two months later, you're like, I will cut you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I really liked that aspect about her, and I, and I um, well, I she know, avoided desperation. That's yeah. how because she took care of the money first. Something that was interesting about her, about how she now is trying to make a sustainable life for her in New York. You know, where she was saying that's kind of her next move. Like she's done the whole Wonderless thing, and now that she's a little bit more mature, she is okay with maybe choosing carving out space here. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really interesting um, just because I think there is a love, obviously traveling is made, you get more perspectives and all these things, but then it's like, how do you integrate that? to when you live, cause she felt like she couldn't be so open in New York, which I get why there's some attitude to that. But I think for some people, if you were from somewhere else, you would feel like when you're on vacation in New York, I meet so many people who are like, Whoa, I feel like everything was just happening. And cause everything in New York at the same time, like things happen really quickly. And if you are open, 
in even if you weren't for work, like especially in the summertime where you can walk around outside, like you could totally spend your afternoon with a random stranger and but that's just be what like, she does when she's on vacation. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so that when you actually pointed that out, no, about maybe it's your relation to a place because for her, New York is where she works. Yeah. You know, almost even in your home, you know, like you kind of have to have an area where you work and where you sleep yeah. and where you hang out. It's like what your association is with it. So I don't know. I think that was actually a point point that you made about um, maybe it's like your relationship to, to a place. Well, absolutely. Like I felt differently about New York when I visited here versus when I moved here. Right. You know? Right. Totally. Um, but yeah. And I also like that she kind of like picks places based on how cool people are like to go visit because that actually is really smart indicator. It's like, are you going to like, are you going to appreciate this culture? And like that she tries to like live in someone else's shoes, totally. you know, that's how I choose drugs. <laughs> like this person's on something that seems interesting. I don't want to be on what that one. That's why, on. that's why everybody, I think that's why everybody's <laughs> trash talks meth. You know? yeah. <laughs> like meth teeth. That's oh. a takeaway for this episode. <laughs> Um, it's like everybody knows about meth teeth. Um, <laughs> she yeah. also asked us a question, which I think that was a first. Chillin' yeah. and Fish's first She's for the guest to ask us. Uh, I mean, I, on on the air. Yeah. Oh, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, she did give us feedback. And you know who else gave us feedback? Who gave us feedback? Um, well, this listener, another listener gave us feedback and then said that they finished this episode and... They, of course, loved it. Oh, sorry, Sue. Just talking about Joanna Fing's episode. Last uh, week episode, Foley Artist. First transsexual, transgender. openly transgendered woman. Person. Person. To, sorry. God damn it. Joanna Fing is the first trans, <laughs> openly transgendered person to win a primetime Emmy. And she was our guest last week. And this... Um, this review was in relation to that episode and it said, finished the episode and of course loved it. She was truly an auditory pleasure. What a perfect person to have on a podcast. 100 home run. <laughs> that was fun. Um, yeah, we, I did love that episode and she brought her Foley props and that was super cool. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at film in a totally different light too now. Yeah. Um, and so thank you for that, for that review. That was wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Um, cool. Well, well, that wraps up this week's episode. Um, please check out our social medias at Chill Ambitious. Also check out our website, www.chillinambitious.com. Um, and tweet us, message us. Um, love us. DM us. That one That one got slid in through, a D- through an Instagram DM. Yeah, we love those DMs. Um, yeah, so. I'm O. I'm No. And, and bye-bye. we love you. Bye. Sailor, soldier, sailor, ranch man, ball man, beggar man, thief, doctor, baker, fine shoemaker, wise man, madman, tax man, please. How can I know just what to be? Please stop and get breakfast and eat till me.